You're listening to the Oz Movies Podcast, only on the Oz Network. Hello, everybody, and welcome once again to the Oz Network as we once again bring you a movie episode of our podcast. And it's another filler episode as, once again, we get closer and closer to bringing you a couple of very busy months here on the show, talking about some real proper blockbusters, big movies, ones that are going to take the world by storm. We thought we'd do the same with another movie that was a big blockbuster and took the world by storm. I, of course, speak of the 2005 follow-up to the epic movie that was Kill Phil, Kill Phil 2, a film written, directed, produced, starred, uh, edited, pretty much everything by me. Um, and, uh, obviously after doing Killfield 1 last week and getting a lot more downloads than I ever thought we would, thank you for that everybody, um, we thought we'd follow it up with the sequel because you're all dying to find out what happens in the second one and you're all dying to watch it, no, no, no doubt. I don't know what I'm saying here apparently. Uh, my name is Ben and what do you think I brought you back for? Your charming intellect to play Scrabble with? Of course you are working for me still, you stupid moron! And uh, my name is Colin, and twas a white life well lived. Twas a life well loved. <laughs> twas a life worth every moment of living. He'll be sorely missed, but he'll remain in our hearts forever. <laughs> you didn't do the accent, Colin. You didn't do the accent. Oh, my apologies. <laughs> that's all. That's, that's all the that most- Yeah, that's the most enthusiasm I'll have for the rest of this movie because <laughs> I think it's oh. all downhill. I'm so disappointed that you're coming into this basically giving me shit before it's even started. And I like this one better than the first one. <laughs> I'm I figured, proud of this one. Yeah, I figured you would. <laughs> wow. Wow. Can I just, um, before, before we get into this here, um, I just wanted to say, this really is the Matrix Reloaded of student films. Uh, <laughs> it's definitely twice underrated. as polished. It's twice as polished as the original. It's twice as long. It's twice as goofy. Um, it's twice as bad. <laughs> um, it, it more than anything, I'm just curious whether you really wanted to make a sequel to Kill Phil, or if you just want an excuse to have an hour and eleven minutes of you lip syncing. <laughs> <laughs> it was only five minutes in the film, <laughs> <laughs> and then cry me a river later on. <laughs> <laughs> they were little in jokes. All right, you've got to wait until we get to those scenes. Um, this uh, look. I don't know really where to begin in terms of talking about this, but obviously if you're listening to this, you're either one of two things. That's one of three things, I will say. A, an avid listener to the Oz Network, you will listen to anything we produce, so therefore you are listening to this. Thank you for being a loyal fan. B, you discovered Kill Feel 1, thought this actually isn't too bad. I'm going to give Kill Feel 2 a go and then listen to the episode. Or three, you thought this said Kill Bill Volume 2 and you are sadly now worrying why you've downloaded it because you realise it said Phil and not Bill and you're promptly about to delete it right about now. Um, obviously, as we talked about in the first one, we decided to make a second one for Kill Phil. This was now year 12. I had grown up a year. I was now 18. I was legal age. Uh, we went for bigger effects, I guess, in a way, with a bigger cast, bigger script, bigger spelling mistakes in the opening title crawl. Uh, <laughs> and... Uh, I, I think we kind of went into this just um, going a little bit more outlandish. For some reason, I thought it would be cool that uh, after everything that happened in the first film, somehow it revolves around me becoming a doctor in four years. 
um, stealing a woman and basically still wanting to kill people. And I think as I discovered a lot with watching this again, probably for the 787,000th time in my life, there really is no plot to this movie. No. <laughs> there's, there's no purpose for half the stuff that happens in this movie. <laughs> At least in the first one, he was, uh, you know, he had revenge in mind. This time around, he's just been a bit of a dick. <laughs> anyway, you notice these things when you've got to try and critically analyse it. Uh, more history of it. Um, obviously, we brought back most of the people from the first one, even though they all died, because, again, I guess they were still my friends. I'd made new friends in between then, so we included them in the movie. <laughs> and um, I'd obviously moved house, as we will get to that point in this too. So lots of new locations. Still had no budget. Um, the script, well, you know, it was a bit longer because I talked more in this one than I did in the first one. A whole lot more. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly that's where Colin has the problem with this film. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, so that's... Uh, the history of the film. My history, I saw it when I made it. Uh, <laughs> and saw it when I edited it. And saw it at the premiere as well. Uh, Colin, what's your history with this film? <laughs> uh, my history is, you suggested doing these, and after <laughs> <laughs> recording Kill Phil 1 last week, and believe it or not, giving it a stronger recommendation than its own director, Ben Waterworth, did. <laughs> I came into this thinking we'd get something at least a little bit of the same. And this is basically a really bad parody of itself. It's gone from being unintentionally funny to in trying to intentionally be funny, but really not being funny at all. Wow. Um, Jeez, I don't know if I want to do this episode anymore. <laughs> <laughs> it was just, it's one of the weirdest things I ever saw. And Jamie was watching it with me. You want to talk about my history. Let's talk about my wife's history here. Uh, she watched. She watched none of kill phil one uh so i'm sure that's the reason she was confused here <laughs> and she was sort of checking in and out throughout this and when it ended she goes all all she did was look at me she goes i honestly have no clue what i just saw <laughs> that was all she had to say and then out of the room <laughs> i have to say uh if you actually do find a copy of this on dvd that's legitimately one of the uh review quotes on the front cover of the dvd i have no idea what i just <laughs> saw peter travis rolling stone uh, <laughs> so, she's not the only one to have ever uttered ever utter those words this is the one out of uh, the two that i made that my uh video production teacher uh basically went off at me for so um, maybe i'm just why. maybe i'm just clouded vision here <laughs> so. here's the other thing this is what's funny to me this screams from the opening logo a ben waterworth vanity project <laughs> <laughs> Because we start with about a 25-second logo of pictures of yourself. Hey, that's Ben Waterworth Films. We'd become a company between the first one and the second one. You even mentioned, like, how much more dialogue there was in this one because you talk a lot. Like, you had a, a supporting role in the first. You know, you were a, a villain. But this is all you talking and singing. <laughs> kind of making out with a girl. That's, that's again how it always happens for me in life. I've still never actually made out with a girl. I've just always kind of made out with them. This is 100% the definition of a vanity project. Can we do Die Another Day again? I feel like you're going to be kinder of that. We're like five minutes in and you're being a bastard. Fuck you. This is the way that Kill Phil 1 was supposed to go. And I'm kind of liking it. Can you go back and change your rating then for the first one? <laughs> <laughs> Buy it. 
Um, I will say, though, <laughs> clearly, as it shows, we put a lot more effort into this one. <laughs> <laughs> That's it, show. We planned this one out a lot more. We tried to be better with the continuity. Uh, <laughs> but clearly. Um, well, I did say, like the Matrix Reloaded, it is more polished. So I'll give you some credit. You learned from some of your mistakes. <laughs> I think you forgot that you needed a story in there or any type of sense. <laughs> <laughs> well, wait, wait till we uh, get to the, the, um, the cancelled threequel and you find out what yeah. that was about. Um, <laughs> But anyway, so let's start off with Kill Phil uh, 2. So we get the Ben Waterworth films for the first time. Thanks for that. Um, have updated that since for The Brink Unleashed, if you want to see how the new images look. Um, and as any good filmmaker... Hang on, let me try that again. As any good, quote, filmmaker, unquote, <laughs> would want to do at one point in their life parody Star Wars. Of course they would. Uh, so what better way to do that than with starting off with a short time from now in a place around the corner, followed by a sort of Star Wars opening text crawl. Um, I have discovered, uh, when this, again, 2005, so I don't think the technology was around back then for random people on the internet, but uh, on one of our Brink Unleashed films that I did uh, this year, I actually did a similar thing by parroting Star Wars, and I actually found a website where you could legitimately get an exact replica of the Star Wars opening crawl with the mm. right text and the right everything. It looks fantastic. This looks kind of shit. Uh, it was Windows Movie Maker, folks. Uh, so it's uh, episode two, Dr. Death. I completely forgot that it was called that because that never plays into the um, title of anything in this film. Um, we get a fantastic bunch of text, which... Uh, uh, again, please don't um, take it anything seriously for spelling mistakes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> terrible how many spelling mistakes are in it. Already, you know, the film's going to be fun from that point. Uh, it's been four years since the first film. Of course it has been. I've become a doctor in the meantime. <laughs> I've created a machine <laughs> that can bring people back to life and change their appearances. I've married the dealer's uh, girlfriend because, of course, I would have. And um, I've decided to bring back all my useless henchmen back to life. That's a bit of a backstory there. And, of course, in that four years, it's taken four years for somebody to find the dealer's body. He got shot outside a public library. <laughs> and for some reason... It's taken four years for that to be discovered. He hasn't, you know, disintegrated or anything. He's remained perfectly intact. Uh, <laughs> I mean, this is a guy who was two years in a coma, and another six months passed after he apparently killed me. So the timeline of this film is about six and a half years. <laughs> he's completely fine. Uh, um, anyway, so we zoom down from the sky. And we're at a small little gathering uh, for the death of the dealer. Four years later, um, these are apparently his only friends because he generally kills the other ones. Um, you have, to, well, one familiar person in the fact that Anthony, is, well, Liam is there with a bit of a Mario moustache on. Uh, you've got a new guy there who you don't know at this point. who's going to go on to obviously be Joe, uh, well, his name's Joe, uh, David in this film. And then you've got a very attractive Irish priest uh, with long black hair <laughs> in a black shirt reading a Bible. Uh, Twas a life well lived. A life. <laughs> um, it's a funeral because that's, I, I think, what happens when priests do that. Then out of nowhere, we see uh, somebody come from the ground. It's Night of the Living Dead all over again. <laughs> But no, it's Josh. He's survived four years of being dead and nothing has changed about his appearance at all. 
And as, of course, he would, he uh, straight away decides to attack his only friends at his funeral by, uh, well, he doesn't actually attack them. He grabs a shovel, knocks me out, and kills me, because why wouldn't you kill the priest? Because he's done a lot in your life. Buries him, uh, runs off, uh, happens to find a conveniently placed newspaper on the ground, which uh, I don't know if you can read it, because the quality is terrible. <laughs> I was meant to say something about Dr. Phil there. That's why he's like, Phil! Screws up the paper, because, of course, a doctor would be on the front page of the Mercury. Um, and I, I don't know if you notice also that uh, Hobart 2016 Olympic bid is now the front runner for the 2016 Olympic Games. So uh, Yeah, so I did catch that. <laughs> yeah, uh, that, was, that was pretty good news. I'm glad to see that. Uh, meanwhile, we get this uh, nice little zoom up a corridor into an office. It says Dr. Phil's surgery or whatever. I don't know. That sign's on there once. It's not there for the rest of the movie. I can't even remember what we wrote on that. Um, and then, oh, Anthony, Liam's alive. He was just at the funeral before, but now he's a different person. <laughs> he's been brought back to life. And... Uh, Who's this charming man in a blue shirt and a red tie? Fashion sense, obviously, not his strong point. Uh, it's it's me, it's Phil, he's alive! And you see his face early on, and he starts talking a lot more in this movie, as he did in the first one. Uh, basically talking up that he's created this machine and uh, some neglecto rods and some big words that he's made it to basically turn him alive. <laughs> uh, we find out that Anthony's got all these uh, skills, all the modern world languages and martial arts, including jujitsu. I know jujitsu. <laughs> oh. And then just uh, decide to self-parody ourselves by uh, the famous line, this isn't a movie, and if there's going to be any stupid one-liners, they'll come from me. Um, And I call up uh, everybody's favourite actor from the first film, Peter, a.k.a. Ryan, the dealer's brother, who doesn't want to do something anymore. We'll find out what it is soon. I get angry. I call in Liam, tell him to go get somebody, and then I quote Norman Osborn by saying, no one says no to me. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) A lot of uh, one-liners from other movies in this movie. Um, I might cap it there. Just a couple of things, though. The um, the funeral scene, that's filmed in my backyard. And can I just point out that uh, at the time, I had ju- we had just moved into this house. Clearly, we'd moved house from the first one because the first one had my other house. This had my house then. And uh, here's a bit of trivia for you if anybody wants to come visit me. I'm living in this house right now. So, oh. <laughs> that shot in my backyard, I could walk out there right now and record this sitting in that spot if I wanted to. When have we ever been able to do that, Colin, <laughs> on the Oz Network? Um, spe- special, keep an eye out in that scene when Josh comes out from the ground because he has a face washer on his face. Um, because we basically did that in one take. And we thought, oh, yeah, this is pretty easy. We can just bury him and he can jump up. That's not going to hurt. And we realised about halfway through, it's like, um, how are you going to breathe while you've got dirt on your face? <laughs> and he was all worried that he might die or something. I don't know. He just wasn't a good actor. Uh, so <laughs> we put a, a towel on his face, like a face washer, to prevent like dirt and shit getting in his eye. We had one take of him coming out from the ground. And you'll see that face washer that we have no idea how to hide from the shot because it just falls off his face um so that was that and the scene when he's dragging me pay close attention to the fact that my wig is gone because i think in one of the blooper reels you'll see that as he was dragging me that absolutely really hurt me because i dragged along like rocks and all these things on the ground and i think we just did one take and we kept that in (gasps) excuse me so why not uh (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> burping halfway through. 
Um, and yeah, so the shot when he comes running out of the so-called graveyard is like, again, shot on a completely different part of the entire city. We have that stupid looking newspaper, which again, if you look at it, it's just a piece of paper printed with the front on it. There's nothing on the back. Um, and yeah, I don't know what else. Oh yeah, the whole, we had to throw in a matrix line there. Jiu-jitsu, I know jiu-jitsu. <laughs> don't scoff at that. I thought that was a clever line. Um, I was just looking at the face clock. <laughs> Matching the dirt or anything, and it's like bright green. Yep, exactly. The, the, clearly, straight away, the budget had um, gone very well in this film. It took forever to dig that hole. And then when Josh and I did our little segment for the brink the other week, he's like, Yeah, you said it took forever. You could have dug it a little bit deeper. <laughs> um, and the book that I'm holding as the priest, in case you didn't realize, that's me playing the priest once again. Yes, in another we, we caught that. Famous Ben Waterworth dual role. Um, the book that I'm reading from is actually Jurassic Park The Lost World. I don't own a Bible, so <laughs> I just grabbed a book off my shelf. I think I own two books, and that was one of them. So, uh, yeah, there, that's the uh, opening. Was there a music cue in here from The Lost World as well? No, I think that's probably one of the uh, only movies we didn't steal any music oh, okay. from in this, in this movie. There's The Matrix, there's Lost in Space, there's Matrix Reloaded, there's Kill There's a Bill. lot of Lost in Space. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I own the soundtrack at the time, I still do, so... And one other question, the newspaper, why did you pick March 18th, 2008 as the date? Well, 2008, because it was set in the future. March 18, Colin Hilding is my birthday, so Vanity why not? Project! <laughs> <laughs> Shut up! <laughs> don't like you anymore. I don't want to do this. Can't let's start Titanic. Um, a couple of things. First of all, I actually did like, and you can tell right away with that opening scene, the graveyard scene, that it is going to be kind of a parody. It's not really, uh, it's, it's in no way similar to the first one. Uh, I guess in a way it's almost like what we, as we went through the George Romero movies, this is kind of like, what Dawn of the Dead was in the Living Dead. Um, I don't know. After that, though, it's kind of all downhill. I like the opening scene, though, uh, with the the bad grave shot. Um, I like Liam's Hitler mustache that you drew on him. Very appropriate. Um, okay, how long did that opening crawl go on for? <laughs> uh, still going, I think, Finish. actually. <laughs> That as long as the last like, death scene. scene in the first movie. <laughs> yeah. You finish as like, did you get all that? <laughs> I actually have gone back and watched it three times, and I'm still not sure I know what's going on in this movie. Uh, <laughs> here's, um, here's something I want to get to here. <laughs> and I'm going to talk a lot about this, because it seems to be the only location you got for this entire movie, which is Dr. Phil's office. <laughs> Where did you film this? And why is there an air conditioning? <laughs> so, uh, we mentioned briefly in the first one about how we kept getting like told off by teachers and everything. This basically was on like the top floor of one of the um, the the blocks at our at our college, and we kind of I think we just looked around at what could have been an office, and we found this like little. It was like a storage room, I guess. I don't know what actually this room was. It was just a small little room next to a bunch of classrooms, and. Um, 
it already had a desk in it. It had like an old computer in it already. So we just kind of moved things around. I think we asked one of the teachers on the floor, could we use this? And they were like, yeah, of course you can. Um, and then, of course, we needed to come up with what could be a machine for this whole like body transformation thing. So we had this perfect door with air conditioner written on it, um, which in no way you'd think we could just print out a piece of paper that says like machine or something like that. But no, I think, I think in all seriousness, I kept that there because that was meant to be you know, it was meant to be a secret. So it's like, oh, no, that's just the air conditioner. There's nothing in there at all. Um, so I think that was sort of deliberately meant to be there. But this was like, yes, yeah, around, there's like two classrooms on either side of this. And um, as you can tell, in a lot of these scenes, I'm yelling. There's things getting thrown around. Uh, so we often got kicked out for filming because we would do this like when we'd have a spare line. So like, you know, there would still be other classes being taught at the same time, even though we had them off. Uh, so we'd constantly get teachers coming in and telling us, off go away you can't film today so like um there's there'll be like in the bloopers i think in the blooper reel at the end of this you can hear me at one point getting very frustrated like come on hurry up uh that's because i think we just kept getting told off so it's like we just had to keep coming back and reshooting shit so um yeah that's that's where it was (laughs) elizabeth college this mastermind and we'll, we'll get to it later on but this mastermind his office basically consists of uh, a water cooler, a ladder in the corner, and a microwave sitting on a tabletop. <laughs> well, he's a very, uh, you know, it doesn't need much to keep him happy, Phil. Um, I mentioned that your collar for this entire scene is flipped up on one side. <laughs> 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 I'm looking at it right now, I never noticed it the first time. This one collar on the right side is going to be flipped up. And <laughs> props on the goatee soul patch you have going on there. <laughs> So, my notes basically say that in the last four years, he's learned how, learned how to clone people and bad soul patches. <laughs> it was the mid-2000s. That was in then. <laughs> As for big red ties and flipped yes. up colors. <laughs> and blue shirts. Because uh, I think it was the only one I could find to fit me at the time. So... <laughs> But um, one thing I'll say is I love the fact that if you have, it makes no sense. I've like brought this guy back to life who again died four years ago. Mm. Why am I only doing it now? Uh, secondly, he hasn't like rotted or anything. Thirdly, he utters Anthony Liam utters a line. I want to apologize for bringing him back to my place. He didn't bring him back to his place. He, he just showed door. up. Like, yeah. oh, I'm picking out plot holes here in my own writing. <laughs> I basically go off at him for leaving. You're not going anywhere after I've just been called into surgery, which I don't give a shit about. I've become a surgeon in four years. Apparently, that's a thing. Um, and then he leaves anyway for me to yell at him to come back anyway. So I don't get it. <laughs> the writer of this movie was terrible. <laughs> But he had a great soul patch, so let's give him but credit. <laughs> I have that. Why did you scoff at my jujitsu line? I love that line. <laughs> no, I think I was I was scoffing at something else I was watching on screen. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you got it. You got to laugh. Come on, Colin. This isn't a movie. <laughs> Is there going to be any more one-liners? <laughs> considering the amount of Matrix songs that we've heard, we've basically heard the entire soundtrack of the Matrix trilogy played twice. <laughs> 
in a row now. So it's no surprise. Well, the first one had mainly the first one. This one has mainly the second one. And the third one, if you uh, watch the... I don't know if you even you realise there was a hidden trailer at the end of this. Yeah. Um, you, you noticed that that was a complete direct rip-off of the third one. So, you know, the third yeah. one was going to use lots of the Revolutions soundtrack, which, look... Which you actually use the climax of Revolutions in your climax here, so... Because that is... Climax! That is, I'm going to say, <laughs> one of my favourite movie scores, movie climax scenes, uh, yeah. music ever. And I will say... One of my favourite movie climaxes. I think Revolution's underrated. I just lost some more listeners, even though you're listening I'll, to Kill Field I'll too. agree with the climax of Revolution. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing else about the sequels. Um, but anyway, let's keep picking out the plot holes here. Are you, did you like my no one says no to me line? After we've just done Spider-Man? Yeah, I, I didn't actually catch that reference. Oh, you picked up the Kill Another Day line in the last one, but you don't yeah. pick up the... No one says no to me! <laughs> You know, it was funny, when we actually were doing Spider-Man and we were talking about that line, that actually brought me back to this movie. I'm like, hey, I remember in Guildfield 2 when I use the line, no one says no to me! <laughs> anyway, uh, so, from there, <laughs> we cut back to Josh, the dealer, running up the street because, uh, you know, he's been in uh, dead for four years, so he's got a lot to catch up on, so he's just running around a suburban street, apparently. Again, for somebody who, in the first movie, six months uh, after, or well, two years being in a coma, his legs barely worked, he's been dead for four years, and somehow his legs work perfectly fine. Um, and anybody who wants to recreate this famous run by Josh uh, in Killfield 2, again, come to my house, I'll gladly walk you down the end of the street, and we can do it together. Uh, <laughs> Walking up the, running up the street, goes into a front yard, and yes, that is my actual house. Still, I'm just, I'm just opening both our listeners to rob my house. Apparently, at the moment, <laughs> um, he opens the front door because, of course, it's open. That screen door's not there anymore. Actually, I forgot we used to have that screen door in our house. Um, and he creeps through this house. I don't know why he's decided to go into a house. Like, what's his purpose here? <laughs> Didn't really get too far in the writing there. Um, he goes into a room, which is actually the spare room in this house. Should have been my bedroom, but you can ask my mum about why I never ended up getting that room. Uh, he changes into a suit, uh, <laughs> because why not? Uh, the reason <coughs> we did that is because Josh said to me when I, we were doing the second one, he's like, Ben, I want to wear a suit in the second film. And I'm like, okay, so I'll somehow write that into it. So when he breaks into a random person's house, he decides to change into a suit. Uh, so that's the backstory there. I'm sure you wanted to know that one. I actually uh, did wonder why he changed into a suit. So that's helpful. Okay. There you go. Uh, then he sneaks around, comes into the kitchen, and we meet David for the first time. We don't know who he is just yet. And, of course, it wouldn't be Josh without just randomly deciding to attack this guy. He's already killed a priest, so why would he just attack random guy in kitchen? He starts by choking him. We get some of this great slow-mo back. Did you notice there's not as much slow-mo in this film as there was in the first one? There's time? a lot, yeah. A lot less slow-mo. <laughs> Still a lot of... A lot of that music over the background, which kind of makes it hard for the dialogue to be heard a lot of the time. But um, anyway, so this fight basically involves Josh choking uh, David, Joe. Uh, he then kicks Josh in the balls. <laughs> he falls to the ground, <laughs> decides to attack him with a carton of milk <laughs> before attacking him with an orange. Uh, before then getting knocked down again. It's kind of like tub thumping. I get knocked down and I get up again. Ain't <laughs> anyone to get me down. Josh then works out, hey, maybe I'll use a knife. To which then David's like, no, don't kill me, please. I have money, $50,000. 
<laughs> wow. And then Josh is like, okay, sure. Before discovering a piece of paper which says, like, Dr. Phil's perfect practice, in case you couldn't read that with the high quality of our film. Um, and then instead of getting $50,000, Josh just wants to be taken to somewhere that he could probably just look up on the internet. So... Um, <laughs> For some reason, who wants $50,000 when you can take a friend with you to the, uh, to the surgery? Uh, then we cut to our first of, uh, many, uh, reasons why I made this film is to make out with girls. And then again, they didn't actually want to make out with me. So hence the, uh, weird shot of what looks like Drew making out with me, but it wasn't really. Uh, with the Titanic music, of course, why wouldn't I not use, uh, My Heart Will Go On by Celine Dion? Coming soon, uh, Stars Network. Coming soon, yes. <laughs> this is why we did this, people. It was a perfect segue into <laughs> what we're doing next. It's all planned. Um, then we get uh, Anthony interrupting. He's such a fucking cock tease, Anthony. He just can never <laughs> let me get get on with uh, getting with women. Um, and we find out that he's brought dear little Peter in with us. To which I uh, promptly choke him up against the wall. Can I just say that was a fun scene to film? <laughs> shove him in the machine, turn him into someone different. Now, look, I have the, this machine that can turn anybody into anyone. You think I could, like, turn him into Arnold Schwarzenegger or, like, Mike Tyson or something? No, I turn him into my friend Sean. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> because why not? Uh, and then, basically, somehow, in turning him into a different person, he's completely changed his mindset and he's become basically a generic robot that will listen to me no matter what I say. Uh, I quote a Simpsons line by saying, Excellent. I try to get it back on again with Matilda. That's Matilda, by the way, clearly. Uh, she then goes off at me for basically trying to find out what happened to her boyfriend four years ago and basically says that if he's still alive, I would leave you for him. Now, of course, why wouldn't she bring this up four years after he's dead? <laughs> And, of course, I am completely fine with the fact that my wife, the love of my life, is still holding on to a boyfriend from four years ago. Uh, (laughs) I'm a very intelligent man. Um, She storms out. I go next door. We see Joel again. He's alive after... Well, we knew he was alive. We saw him standing in the background of the shot after he died in the first one. Um, I need him to bring me more bodies from the morgue. He's all questioning it like, oh, I heard you have a machine that can bring people back to life. Um, and yet he still wants to bring me bodies. We meet nurses Nilly and Nolly, uh, <laughs> which, any excuse to bring in sexy nurses, sadly without nurses' outfits in this film. Uh, I become a real chauvinist pig and talk about their asses and everything along those lines. Um, I walk out with my very... Ben did not know the camera was rolling at that moment. <laughs> no, I didn't. That was just all off camera. We have my great sinister turn to the camera line of, nice talking to you, Jones. Um, and then we cut down to the morgue, which is clearly a classroom because there's a whiteboard in it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> nurse Nilly and Nolly trying to get two dead bodies and they're the worst nurses in the world because they're grossed out by, like, dead bodies in the morgue. <laughs> and uh, you're yawning. Oh, God. Uh, and then... <laughs> And we'll cap it there, clearly. (laughs) We're losing Colin. (laughs) I just will say, um, 
The whole fight sequence with the milk and the oranges, clearly, yes, it's a meant to be a massive parody of itself. We're not seriously thinking that people would get attacked. We just thought that was random. We were just like, oh, wouldn't it be funny if he attacked someone with a carton of milk followed by an orange? <laughs> um, because why not? Uh, now, Joe Mackey plays David in this film, um, and I, I will give props to Joe because I think he's actually one of the best actors in this film, and he had a lot of fun doing this, and he's... he's I, I I haven't spoken to Joe probably in a decade. Clearly, after working with me on a movie, it's a traumatic experience. So they go into hiding. But, um, I, yeah, Joe was a great guy. Uh, probably still is, from all I know. And I uh, had a lot of fun working with him in this. And, again, I, I'm really glad we got him in this movie because I love his character. And it's how his character is just random. We find out all this weird shit about him. And then, by the end of the movie, he's basically turning into a raging cannibal. Um, <laughs> so, spoiler alert. Um, I've already mentioned in terms of the scene of us kissing that uh, Drew, who played uh, Matilda, basically, again, you try finding a girl who wants to act in this movie. <laughs> that generally, most people are like, yeah, I'll do that. And it's like, oh, side catch, you've got to kiss Josh and I. Oh, no, maybe not. Um, so, um, so, basically, Drew did it, and it wasn't that she didn't want to kiss us, because she knew that that was part of the script. Drew just had a bit of a problem keeping a straight face in a lot of these scenes. So, generally, when it came to the kissing, she would crack up laughing. Often, girls do that when they was go it, to kiss me anyway. Was it kind of like, like, I'm going to kiss you? <laughs> it was kind of like, it was like action, and then you'd kind of go to do it, and you would just start laughing. So, we basically got to a point where we're like, well, we can't fire her, because we've got no other girl to be in this role. So, we're going to have to work around this. Um, so we were like, okay, we'll just make it look like she's kissing us. Um, and the scene when she's like yelling at me the whole fling, fling. Um, if you actually, I don't think you can tell, but I actually had to have my eyes closed when she was yelling at me because she would also crack up laughing every time I would stare at her. So she was kind of like the female Anthony in the fact that she could never keep a straight face and we got lots of bloopers from her. So, uh, pay very close attention if you can. My eyes are like closed the entire time when she's yelling at me and we used to always go up to her after this and go fling fling and then even recently when i posted something on uh instagram about it when she was commenting on it she even then commented still fling fling so it's kind of the the well-known drew line <laughs> <laughs> apparently and I love uh, it. I meant- what are you doing <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mentioned in the first one about Peter at the end, how we kind of like recast him. He didn't want to do this at all. And we were kind of like, well, look, we need you. Ryan's a big part in this movie. And he was like, no, I don't want to do it. So basically I was like, okay, well, we've got this machine. We can technically change you into someone else. So basically the only reason why we've got this scene of me shoving Peter into a machine and turning him into my friend, Sean, was Peter didn't want to do it. It was creative differences. So we wrote him out, but we needed to keep his character in. So that's why that happened, uh, just in case because I'm sure you were dying to know. <laughs> a lot of people would have been wondering, now where did that character go? <laughs> At this I, point, do... I don't know if anybody's aware that these are even the same people from the first movie. I do, I, I have to say. Oh, the scene, actually, I'm just watching here. The bit where I drink from a bottle, I'm, I don't know if you're wondering, like, why does Ben keep drinking water in this film, like, dramatically? Yeah. That was meant to be vodka. We just couldn't find an empty vodka bottle. So, yeah. just to <laughs> F, 
FYI, I'm sure you were burning to know that one. Um, I do really like, I had so much fun filming that scene where I got to like put Peter up against the wall, not because like he didn't want to be in the movie. It was just a fun shot to do because like literally we like got him. I like sort of grabbed him up and then the way we kind of did it, he was like on a chair and kind of stood up on a chair and then just, I just found it fun. I just little random shots that I found in this movie that were fun to do because I think they actually turned out quite well. Vanity project, clearly. Um, <laughs> And then Joel, who again, as I said from the first one, I thought was a really good actor. Um, you know, I the, the fun little, you know, his office is right next door to us. And then Nurse Nilly and Nolly. I don't even know why I decided to create two sexy nurses in this film, considering I couldn't find a fucking one nurse in the first film. Um, and But Alex and Philippa, who played them, they're like two best friends in real life. So they kind of like, yeah, we'll do this role. I think I asked both of them to be Matilda, but clearly they didn't want to kiss me. So they just wanted to be the... <laughs> Like, dumb slutty nurses. Some dead bodies instead. Yeah, would you would you rather be dumb slutty nurses or make out with me? Uh, <laughs> so, they went with dumb slutty nurses. Um, but I love Nurse Nilly and Nolly. They're just stupid characters. But uh, I just think they're fun. Anyway, I'm rambling. Shut up. Uh, rip shit into me, Colin Hilding. You know all the people that you felt the need to bring back and <laughs> explain who you're bringing back. Where's my necro nurse? <laughs> Seriously, she didn't <laughs> want to do it. <laughs> Hashtag bring back Necro Nurse. <laughs> Actually, in all, in all seriousness, I think we did say to Rachel, like, we've got nurses in this film, we'd like you to play the role again. But I think she was like, no. <laughs> At this point in my career, I don't want to be typecast. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I do own other outfits besides the nurse outfit. <laughs> uh, that must be the only character from the first one that's not back in this one. Um, but again, I, I did notice that you had to throw some ditzy nurses in there, so I, I think it's pretty clear <laughs> what Ben's type is. <laughs> I actually don't really like nurses that much. <laughs> in all seriousness, if that was if that was the case, there'd be like gymnasts in this movie. I don't know, <laughs> volleyball players, New Zealand pole vaulters. <laughs> Well, let's do a rewrite on Kill Phil 3. <laughs> <laughs> Eliza McCartney as slutty nurse. Yes! Yes, Eliza, if you're listening. Um, Elmsley. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know <laughs> what even say about that fight scene with the milk carton. It is kind of funny. Like, you do get that it's random. Like, if people don't understand, it's meant to be random. Yeah, it, you're pretty, pretty clear on the fact that it's a random way to do a fight scene. Nobody's really thinking this is legit. Um, it would have been dude. funnier, I think, if you saw, like, the milk carton explode or something. It kind of just looks <laughs> like you guys are afraid to get hit for most of this movie. <laughs> I think it was a case of I didn't want to make a mess on the floor for Mum to clean up. <laughs> we did that with a coffee in the first one. So. <laughs> you're afraid you're going to get yelled at. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think Mum was home that day, so we had to be careful. Um... But no, I mean, it's kind of funny. I guess the the milk carton, <laughs> the, the orange, uh, what else can they possibly fight with? Uh, later on, when a brick comes into play, you're wondering, <laughs> is this the deadliest object they could find? <laughs> there must be like an orange juice bottle somewhere around here. That's the best of both worlds. <laughs> um, I, I love the whole, ew, not the more. <laughs> <laughs> And he questions why he hires them. Don't know why he even hired them. He's meant to be the smartest person in this whole movie. <laughs> um, 
Is this the point, or am I skipping ahead, where, um, I can't remember who it was, said that they had their breasts tied? <laughs> oh, no, you, you've, uh, yeah, you've skipped slightly here. We're nearly there. <laughs> okay, we'll get to that. <laughs> More random stuff. Um, but yeah, <laughs> you just throw somebody into your air conditioner. <laughs> there's, we talked about the first movie that there's no explanation about this whole, this whole plot is set off by a bad game of Pog. <laughs> there's very little explanation. There's, there's the opening crawl that talks about a machine that does this. For most of the movie, it just sort of looks like you're shoving people into a closet labeled as air conditioner. <laughs> and they're coming out like very refreshed from all the cool air or something. I don't know. <laughs> It was a very hard time in <laughs> Killfield Lobart. <laughs> um, yeah, not much else to add. <laughs> I made an interesting note here. I was trying to figure out what your performance reminded me of, and I think we'll, we'll find another performance later on that backs this up, that maybe you're watching a little bit of a certain TV show. But I basically labeled Phil in this movie, Ben's performance as Phil, as Dr. Evil meets Paris Hilton. <laughs> What? Dr. Evil meets Paris Hilton? There's something about the way you play this that feels like if Dr. Evil was played by Paris Hilton. (laughs) (laughs) And this isn't the last Paris Hilton performance of the movie. I'm sure the other one might have been a little bit more intentional. Oh, wow. I don't know how to take that. (laughs) Paris Hilton was very topical in 2005. (laughs) So... Um, yeah, uh, one thing actually that I, I, again, I always pick these things out and I made this movie is the fact that when Peter gets shoved into the machine, I press like two buttons and like three seconds later he comes out and he's fine, uh, at least new. Later on, when somebody's putting a bomb in the machine, that's taking forever and there's no transfer... But was can- it a bomb or was it a bar of soap with the word bomb written on it? We'll get to that. Uh- <laughs> Anyway, so uh, this is the bit you're talking about. So we see Josh and Joe. Uh, Joe has taken... Well, David, I'm just going to use their actors' names. We do this a lot. So we lose the actors and the characters. The dealer and uh, David come to the entrance of uh, this building. We find out that David had his breasts done. Uh, <laughs> the dealer's like, your breasts? Long story. So he walks him, takes him there, and then he's about to leave, to which uh, Josh is like, oh, I'm going to go up and kill him. David goes, yeah, bye. It's like, no, you're not going anywhere. I'm not the type of guy you want to mess with before forcing him to walk in the building with. Why? Like, I, I don't even understand. At what point does A, Josh need him to come with him? B, why does David go along with the plan? At what point is he actually um, getting threatened besides getting <laughs> loosely choked? Uh, Josh walks off by, like, five metres in front of him. David can just turn around and run away at that point. Um Again, you're, we're talking about the plot in this movie. Essentially, this is the plot from this point onwards. It's um, Josh trying to kill me. My plot is bringing back my henchman to try and kill him. Um, <laughs> there's, there's nothing here. Like, Josh has no reason to stop me. I'm not doing anything wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I've actually created a pretty good machine that can save people's lives. And you're not out there killing people anymore. You're confined to a small office space with your microwave... Your big stand-up ladder and your water cooler. I'm a small businessman now, basically, with a <laughs> private practice. As essentially, this is like the sixth day where we basically discover that Arnold Schwarzenegger kind of is the terrorist. Yeah. Uh, in this movie, I'm kind of the good guy. Josh is kind of the bad guy. He's killing me for no reason now. So, mm. 
There you go. Uh, we've, we've gotten to the bottom of this. Uh, so we cut back up to the top. We see Nurse Nilly and Nolly dragging two dead bodies. I'm checking them out, even though my wife is like literally about to walk around the corner. Uh, I can't even remember who those bodies were. I think that actually was... Um, I think it was Emma and Beck who was uh, Man with Gun 2. Uh, I think we couldn't get the actual bodies of the people that we wanted them to be from memory. Anyway... We get more walking scenes. It's kind of like the Big Bang Theory. We've got conversations. People are walking up the stairs. Uh, I'm standing there checking out the nurses as Matilda comes in, actually kisses me on the cheek. Uh, <laughs> that was real. How much did you pay her for that shot? <laughs> yeah, lots of lots of money. Um, she then goes in to kiss me. I get interrupted by Anthony again. Um, we find out that he's given uh, Sean the tour of the building. I'm grateful. I tell him to leave. And uh, before aggressively shoving Drew into the room. It's a bit rapey, that scene, actually. The way I just shove her into it. And I think, actually, you hear her, like, scream. And, like, I actually think from memory she didn't know I was going to do that. So the bit where you were, like, you actually hear her, like, going, ah! That, I just kept that in because I thought it was funny because it's like, ah, it's a bit rapey. Um, hilarious, apparently. Uh, so then <laughs> Joe jo and Josh are casually walking up the stairs. Again, for some reason, Joe's just going along with this because why wouldn't he? And as they walk along the corridor, we discover um, Anthony's there with Sean. They get into this um, weird fight scene, which, again, Josh is brought down by just the weakest of punches. <laughs> Joe runs away, as he probably should. Josh has the great, who the fuck are you, line as he's being held. Um, quickly cut back into my office, where there's slow motion me making out with Drew, sort of. Um, and again, if you pay close attention to Drew's face, you'll see that she's basically cracking up laughing every single time that um, I walk away from her. Um, and then we get this incredibly dramatic scene, the rig reveal, the deal is still alive, I'm still alive. Um, we discover that uh, Josh's brother is now Sean, it's dramatic, I'm going to turn him into a pig. Uh, <laughs> I turn to it the camera. It bears a lot of resemblance to Kill Bill at this point. I, I turn to the camera and sing a bit of Kylie Minogue. Oh. <laughs> Any excuse to be a bit gay in this movie. Uh, <laughs> Doctor Evil, played by Paris Hilton. <laughs> the reason we—I don't know why. Like, I think I was just when I was writing the script, I just was like, I used line from songs. So, like, I literally use a line, "Cry Me River," and I should be so lucky. I just kind of thought when I was filming, oh, wouldn't it be funny if we break character and turn to the camera and like lip sync the song? <laughs> and that actually, in all honesty, like whenever I used to show this to people and the premiere and all that sort of stuff, they were the moments got the biggest laugh in this entire film. So, really, <laughs> yes. <it's- laughs> Colin's reaction says it all. Twelve years later, really. <laughs> Um, so anyway, as I'm about to turn him into a pig after some great one-liners by myself, um, <laughs> we get, Joe has decided to come back and save Josh. I don't know why. Um, we get Chariots of Fire, slow-mo. This is the scene I was talking about in the first one where I deliberately said to them, be in slow motion. Um, I don't know why. <laughs> But this is where this is where I don't even get how this is a thing. We talked about the first one, how like Josh could stand there as I'm mowing him down with an AK forty seven and deflect like machine gun fire with a sword. You literally have this tiny confined space. 
Joe is standing at the door. Anthony's probably like less than a meter away. He's at point blank range. He's letting off at least like 20 rounds. He doesn't have to reload at any point. <laughs> I know. <And> somehow, <laughs> Joe could just stand there, move a few bits to the left and right, and survive. <laughs> I pushed Matilda out of the way because apparently I'm in the line of fire. I grab a gun. There's two of us shooting two people at point blank range and we can't even hit them. <laughs> they both get away. I don't even think how I thought at any point this was a logical thing. <laughs> they run out um, of the building. We get this chase sequence um, where I'm like yelling at them to go after because I'm just the laziest person in the world. I'm going to have all these hench people go after them. Uh, I will say I actually did. I enjoyed filming this scene when they're running down the stairs and I think it kind of works well. I love the music uh, that I use from the actual Kill Bill soundtrack. I did realise in a movie that I'm meant to be parroting, I don't use any of the music from it until now. <laughs> um, they run up the street. Now, I've got... Just can I point this out? This is this is Tasmania for you. If this was America, this would be a different story. I have two guys running up a suburban street in Hobart with two fake, pretty realistic-looking guns, <laughs> and no one's blinking an eyelid. If this was in America, there'd be a SWAT team around them about at this point. The, the problem um, is their acting of running of those guns wasn't convincing <laughs> enough for people to be afraid. <laughs> Now, the best bit about this whole sequence, though, is in this dramatic chase sequence. You talked about in the first one how, you know, we're having this dramatic battle sequence and there's, like, mums in the background walking their yeah. kids. <laughs> in the middle of this dramatic fight sequence of them running around the streets, they stop in the middle of the street to look both ways for traffic. <laughs> <laughs> I'm with that shot right now. I've never noticed that before. It's so dramatic. They're chasing. Oh, no, no. Wait, wait. Come on. Look both ways. You know, make sure we don't get hit by a gun. There's like a slight bit of editing needed there to take the slight dramaticness out of that scene. Uh, they then go up this side street. They walk up this street. Anthony literally looks at where Joe and David are and does not even see them and decides to walk away to which apparently he listens to Sean when he says oh we'll come back for them later Anthony's the dumbest uh, henchman in the world because it's like he knows how angry Phil will be and he's the one that ends up getting sacrificed for it anyway um, I actually enjoyed filming that sequence but it's pretty shit um, meanwhile Nurse Nilly and Nolly are out the front of the building talking about uh, people making out with them and apparently one of them likes to make out with their dog. I don't know if you um, picked up on that little lovely one-liner. They hear something smash. I'm yelling at uh, Anthony and Sean to which, uh, again, it was Sean's fault but apparently I feel like stabbing Anthony because why not? I can just bring him back to life. Um, And then I tell them both to leave and then we get... (laughs) I don't even know why we included this in the movie. (laughs) We meet Jaden Spears, who, look, he was, he basically was my best friend at the time, um, and he just wanted to be in the movie. So, um. Wait, you had somebody who wanted to be in this? Yeah. That wasn't paid or begged? Well, uh, Jaden, just to clarify, he, uh, was a huge Britney Spears fan, and, um, yeah, so he basically wanted to be Britney Spears. As, oh, that's um, what he was I thought he was Paris Hilton, too. <laughs> no, he's been, Jaden Spears is his character's name. 
So he's a shallow, big-name celebrity who comes in, wants a nose job, and then kind of the whole running joke was that he would always come in and be all like, oh, my God, me, 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 and then all of a sudden, halfway through, realise he didn't need surgery because he's hot and he would leave. So it was meant to be a funny joke. It really falls flat. <laughs> <laughs> it goes on for about an hour and a half, too. He lights a cigarette uh, in the school building and leaves. <laughs> We got away with that, apparently. Um, and then I, I do have to say, another friend of mine, Rhiannon, who is random girl, who goes, Is that? Uh, <laughs> before I drop a Zoolander one-liner of Jaden, so hot right now, Jaden. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's just why that scene's in the movie. It kind of doesn't work well. Uh, anyway, then we cut to Josh and Joe sharing a coffee, uh, <laughs> enjoying a bit of a backstory. Uh, we find out about Josh. We find out more about uh, David, that he used to be a woman. Oh, we've been dying uh, to know more about both of these guys. <laughs> uh, we have to have a bit of backstory. Uh, he's telling his story for so long that day turns into night. Uh, we also <laughs> get some uh, <laughs> scenes of Josh flicking channels, and there's some commercials on TV with Jaden Spears selling Vodafone and Diet Coke, because um, why not? And uh, basically, uh, we then see that Josh needs more coffee. Uh, meanwhile, after that, you see uh, Matilda wanting to go home. I've brought Lucy back to life because, you know, clearly all my henchmen did such great jobs in the first film, I can't just hire new ones. Uh, <laughs> I'm just going to skip through a lot of these scenes here. <laughs> we cut back to Josh and Joe at the table, pointing at a blank piece of paper, but apparently planning how to blow the building up. Seriously, look at that piece of paper. There's Nothing on it. It's <laughs> held on, on the table by an apple. <laughs> Joe rings up uh, to make an appointment. We see Nurse Nilly and Ollie. I can't remember who was who. They make the appointment. Uh, we see Joel again, who's wearing a red shirt in one scene under his lab coat, yelling at Nurse Nilly and Ollie. The next scene, he's wearing a different coloured shirt. <laughs> I, only noticed, I only noticed that for the very first time. <laughs> Now, um, we then go into the... We see him walk into the room. I brought Emma back to life. We have synchronised head turning. Joel is completely shocked that I'm bringing people back to life. Now, a bit of a plot hole there. Rewind back to the scene where I've got Lucy, and I say, did you get a check-up from Dr. Jones, who is Joel's character? So he knows that Lucy is dead. He obviously gave her a check-up, so why now is he only discovering that I'm bringing these dead bodies back to life? <laughs> Stupid idiot. He's meant to be the smart one in this movie. Um, I tell Emma to go off and uh, chase after them because, again, I'm going to send all the hench people after basically everyone because, uh, again, I'm just completely inept and we'll just cap it there. Um, now, where, where did I even begin in this sequence? Uh, <laughs> all right. the cha Okay. So, fuck uh, the bullet, the chasing, all that sort of yeah. stuff. Um, what about, there's one scene, if you actually, uh, pay attention, so, the bit where Josh goes, you bastard! So basically, um, when we filmed that whole sequence, I think, like, we, we forgot that line, and we needed that for context, of course, because, again, this movie makes a lot of sense. So we actually had to... I think that was literally the last shot we filmed in the entire movie. So if you notice how Matilda's in the background of every single shot with Josh, and then all of a sudden she's not there, because that one scene of him going, you bastard, was just cut and filmed at the last minute. Apparently, my proof that I married uh, Drew or Matilda is by bringing a ring out of my pocket dramatically to which she's like, he's like, how could you? Cause that proves a lot. Because <laughs> <laughs> most married people just keep it in their pocket too. <laughs> 
absolutely. I think uh, the ring just couldn't fit on my finger, so that's why we <laughs> had to. <laughs> ben was bloated that day. Sorry. <laughs> the uh, the the moment when Josh realizes that it's his brother. Uh, when I've literally been calling him Ryan for five minutes, and Josh all of a sudden is like. Ryan, like you just heard his name being said like ten times, and now you finally catch on that he might be a brother. I don't know how. Um, yep, that's uh, just again picking out the plot holes here. Of course, why wouldn't we? Uh, where am I? Yeah, Jaden, we went over him. Now the seed when they're sitting on the ladder. Surely you've got to give me some props for the um the the, the kind of funny one line there when it's like, oh, so the age old story then. You know, man gets things stolen, goes after it, kills Phil. Oh, just the story of life. And then, and then just the line when Josh is like, so tell me a bit about yourself. <laughs> and then just randomly, you come on, you got to tell me, you're not expecting him to say, oh, so I wanted to become a man. Um, <laughs> I came from London and two you know, months later, I've come here to get my uh, breast done. Uh, and something exploded, and then here I am. Uh, I, I think it's funny. I have I wrote this no shit. clue what's going on at this point. One also um, line that I, I do like as well, and again, I wrote it and I said it, really is a vanity project. <laughs> Fuck you, Colin. Uh, the bit where I'm in the office by myself with Matilda, and I've like pinned her against the wall, and then you have uh, Anthony knocking on the door, and I'm like, "What is it?" And then I'm like, "Fuck off, I'm busy." <laughs> I just go into like kiss Drew again. Anyway, um, I was very proud of that shot when it turned uh, day into night. I literally sat my camera on the back porch at uh, sunset, and and then just sped that footage up. So hey, I was proud of that. Um, what else am I missing here? Uh, I don't know if I'm missing anything because, yeah, anyway, uh, over to you, Colin. Um, okay, well, <laughs> I think you just uh, went through a couple of scenes and took the entire length of Kill Phil 2 to do it. <laughs> well, where did we start here again? Uh, the, the bit where they show up to the building. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> the credits, oh, the opening of the movie. <laughs> Um, yeah, there was, there was, <laughs> I don't know. This is one of the reasons why I'm saying I, I prefer the first one, because even though some of the fight choreography was corny in the first, there was a lot of overuse. Maybe because you use a lot of slow-mo, it hid the mistakes. Well, no, not really, because some of these shots are like the tripping shot of Liam tripping the dealer. <laughs> and then... We're like three meters away from his actual foot. And then the... the <laughs> The backhand, I don't even know it's a backhand. Basically, the, the who's Red Shirt? What's his character's name? Uh, sure, that's Ryan. Sean, Brian. Okay. Yeah. Red Shirt, Red I'll call shirt. <laughs> Red he's Shirt. Brit- he's British. his arm out, and then Dealer just flops back on the ground. Again, probably about three meters away, like you said. Uh, <laughs> I, I feel like the fights maybe were a little bit more uh, entertaining than the first one. Wow. <laughs> when the move here is Liam doing his karate pose, but pointing as far down at the ground as he can. <laughs> like he can't lift his arms up. And then the move that I pointed out to you on Twitter looked like Kung Fu farting. <laughs> Kung Fu farting? He was after he got backhanded by Red Shirt, and he's trying, he's trying to get up off the ground, and his legs just do like this swift like pull back, and he's basically just got his, he's on his back with his legs over his head, and he's about to rip a fart in the air. <laughs> it's just 
does not look like a fight scene from an action movie at all. Um, the 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 chase down the stairs. How many flights of stairs is there at this school? That was on like level five, so like that was that was a it was a high building. So yeah, there was a lot. <laughs> same flight over and over again. <laughs> Change the it's window. The Big trip. Bang Theory. Okay, it's just you know we quickly move the stairs, but shot to shot to make it look like it's a different floor. <laughs> also, like like how I pointed out in the first one, you walk up the tunnel that looked very labored. We had the same one for Red Shirt. The first set of stairs he takes, he's like zooming down. The second. Set of stairs- <laughs> He's literally bumping into the wall as he takes each step. Like, he can't even stand on his two feet anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Jamie really pointed out to me. There wasn't one person in particular. It was kind of everybody. You just... And this is the way it was. I even mentioned with my, you know, Batman... Uh, type film that I made as a teenager <laughs> when we had our big reveal in our costumes and then we ran off the screen like two little girls. <laughs> you, the runs in movies like this don't always look as good on screen as you would think. And she just asked me halfway through this movie, she's like, why do all these guys run like girls? <laughs> <laughs> That's sexist, Jamie. That's sexist. <laughs> she's a woman. She's allowed to be. <laughs> Um, I'm sorry, I did not understand this Britney Spears, which I thought was another Paris Hilton character. Like, I thought you were just, like, in love with Paris Hilton at this point in your life, that you wanted to be her, and have other people be her, and you're talking about people having breasts and stuff inside the mind of 18-year-old Ben Waterworth here. Um, yeah, totally thought it was Paris Hilton. Don't understand what this character is, why he's in... Comic relief! Is it funny, though? No! (laughs) It goes on forever! (laughs) There were points in this movie where I'm like, this really is a Tarantino movie. It's 23 minutes of dialogue about nothing. (laughs) And the other, other, like, 60 minutes is slow motion and blitzing. Exactly. Um, I like the Diet Coke ad where the bottle's half empty but closed. <laughs> you can sell them some half full dog Diet Coke with backwash in it. And, and if you pay close attention, I answered the door and also, that's again filmed at my house, the same house that Josh broke into before that he's sitting in the lounge room of. So. <laughs> Yeah, everything's really looking familiar at this point. Like, we're seeing the same rooms over and over again in the school. We're seeing the same house over and over again. Half of the actors have played three characters at this point. <laughs> and, then the, and the scene when he's, like, trying to sell the Vodafone phone, if you play, pay close attention in the background, you'll see the graveyard that we saw at the beginning of the movie. <laughs> Filmed in my backyard again. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, I am putting up uh, greatest... <laughs> Unintentional blue for the whole movie. <laughs> now that you point out, I'm looking as they cross the street. <laughs> That's my favorite moment of the movie. Now, safety conscious film. Safe. Look both yeah. ways, children. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's all I have to add because I'm not sure what we finished talking about. <laughs> thought you were going to rip shit into me for singing random Kylie Minogue turning oh, to no, the camera. There's, a, there's a, another moment that's going uh, to get the majority of the criticism here still to come. <laughs> wow. 
Okay. Uh, so uh, we then cut to the waiting room of Dr. Phil's perfect practice. Uh, Joe is waiting. David is waiting for his appointment. And we meet Crazy Man, who is uh, wearing the same wig that the Irish priest happened to be wearing at the beginning of the film. <laughs> I thought it was the only this wig. guy. I'm like, is Ben playing this guy? And no. And real facial hair all of a sudden. <laughs> no, this is, this, is, this is actually the only real actor in this film. This is uh, Chris Hamlin. So he um, is a is, he's actually was at the time drama teacher at Elizabeth College, but um, he actually is a good friend of Josh and mine. Um, he's he's a legitimately a local actor here in Hobart. Uh, does a lot of productions. He's on TV commercials. <laughs> um, I mean, he's actually you know quite semi well known in local circles in Hobart. And we wanted him to be in the movie, but we knew we couldn't get him as a proper role because he's an actor. He'd demand payment and he was a teacher. So uh, we asked if he wanted to just do a cameo. He said, sure. And we thought, what better cameo than to just have a random crazy guy in the um, in the waiting room? And can I just say, he is by far the best actor in this entire yeah. movie. And he's <laughs> in it for like 60 seconds. That whole scene when he's like yelling, man, you're going to help me, man. You're going to help me. They're trying to come after, me. come after me. Again, we got yelled at about 10 times by people working in that building. And given that Chris is a teacher, he was able to be like, we'll be done soon. <laughs> so like... <laughs> Shut up, I own this school, kid. (laughs) It's kind of helpful to have a teacher on our side, but props to Chris. Again, he's only in this movie for 60 seconds. He obviously, if you you watched it, and if anybody can go on to our our YouTube page on our website, we've posted the footage of our the premiere uh, that we had, the big red carpet premiere, and uh, he hosted that premiere night. So, uh, Chris, uh, great guy, and I wish we could have had him for more because maybe it would have had better acting in this film. Anyway, so... celebrity. um, (laughs) Yeah, the celebrity cameo. Uh, So, anyway, he gets... uh, Joe then gets walked very slowly (laughs) by Nurse Nilia Nolly to the uh, office with me. I tell him to come in, um, and basically I ask him if he's got a problem with his genitalia. He says, no, I've got nipple discharge, of course, (laughs) because, again, we're teenagers. We find that sort of stuff hilarious. Um, I'm a doctor, so I ask to look at his nipple discharge. He says, I'm embarrassed. I say, okay, get in the machine then. I'm the worst doctor ever. Uh, (laughs) To which, again, we see him taking forever in this machine. Before he gets in the machine, Anthony's been brought back to life again because I've stabbed him and I want to bring him back to life again. He recognises Joe slash David. Of course he would. I basically, typical villain, oh, I'm not going to listen to you, haha, you know, hilarious. Um, He leaves. Now, pay attention to Anthony's shirt. He's wearing, like, a light blue shirt. The next scene, he'll be wearing a dark blue shirt. And the next scene, he'll be wearing the light blue shirt again. Um, So, from that moment, uh, I shove Joe in the machine. He has, it's not a soap, piece of soap. It's like a tiny little uh, travel kit or a sewing kit. It's all we could find, Colin. Um, and it didn't look like a bomb, so we had to write the word bomb on it so people knew it was a bomb. <laughs> Thankfully, the word bomb was on. So now we know what's happening in this movie. We didn't know how to make a fake bomb, all right? If you pay close attention, I think we got a loose wire hanging out of it, but uh, that's about it. And again, for some reason, it takes forever for him to uh, get transformed. Um, we have great Lost in Space music uh, in the background, which sadly was the uh, music that was muted on YouTube, so I had to mute that scene on YouTube to keep it up on YouTube. And of all the music we use, apparently the most copywritten song is Penny's Theme from Lost in Space, the movie, in 1998. So, I don't know if you watched the Dropbox one I sent you or the YouTube version. This one I watched the YouTube, yeah. I was wondering why I said... I thought that was just... One of your random funny jokes. 
No, no. Again, YouTube. <laughs> well, I'm glad you think my humour's that way. Uh, you, yeah, of course, in 2005, YouTube didn't exist. So I had to kind of go back and re-edit this to put it on YouTube so our listeners out there can watch this film. Uh, <laughs> from that point on, uh, Josh comes storming in the room to Welcome to the Jungle by Guns N' Roses. He gives a bit of a, a head swipe. I don't know why he does that. Uh, grabs... Joe out of the machine and we have another chase sequence this time around I grab a phone out of my pocket to bring Anthony in who's just standing outside the door anyway I don't know why I need to call him Um, (laughs) meanwhile as Joe and uh, Josh are running away we see Matilda she's about to leave but she wants to get back with Josh they make out they're back together well there goes that love triangle Uh, (laughs) they get trapped we see uh, Sean and Lucy one side myself and Anthony on the other I get angry at Matilda that she's leaving me. For some reason, I'm about to grab her. What am I doing? Like, about to hit her? Domestic violence prevented by a bomb going off? Um, I don't care what you say. You can rip shit into this scene. I love how we filmed this. The fact that a bomb goes off, we shook the camera a little bit, and we all fall over. It actually looks pretty cool, in my opinion. Yeah. For a cheap student film, I like it. So, fuck you if you're going to rip shit into it. Uh, (laughs) We run out, they run out of the building, I run upstairs, and uh, after all that great sequence of the explosion, all the damage that he's done, his nurse nearly nolly had dead and a few little water canisters have blown out (laughs) for an explosion that big. um, There's not a lot of damage done. Uh, We get a brief little scene of uh, Sean and Lucy trying to hunt down... Uh, Josh and everyone. We see Emma. Emma's basically in this movie for like two tiny scenes because I think she just, she was busy. So she barely could play any l- bigger role. Same with Lucy. So it was kind of, they were just brought back for the sake of it, even though they really do nothing in this entire film. Uh, and then they run off after it. I'm going to cap this because we're going to keep the next scene completely separate. Uh- oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, I just, I just want to point out, I, I, I remember when we were filming this whole bit with uh, Joe coming into the office in this chase sequence, I'd lost my voice randomly. I I don't think I was sick or anything. I used to just randomly lose my voice every now and then because I talk a lot. Uh, So (laughs) I kind of sound really gruff. (laughs) You can't really notice it too well. I'm done. But uh, there's a few, like, one line, yeah, I'm Batman, basically. Um, So there's a few lines where I say where I sound completely terrible. I I liked filming all this sequence of the chase and the, the explosion, and I love the Welcome to the Jungle. I was really listening to that song a lot in 2005. Apparently, I finally discovered the Guns N' Roses were a thing. <laughs> <laughs> Just 20 years late, people. <laughs> yep. Um, and, yeah, so pretty much in this scene, I've lost everything, as you're about to find out in the next scene. Uh, I've lost my wife. I've lost my practice. I've lost my hench people. <laughs> Things aren't going well for Phil. Again, I'm just a small business owner trying to make it in the world. And I've got this stupid prick trying to kill me all the time <laughs> for revenge. Uh, anyway, I don't have a whole lot more to add. <laughs> do, we, uh, do we have a lot of evidence of Phil being a doctor? Uh, <laughs> He's wearing a lab coat. <laughs> To me, this movie, it screams more like he's a really evil HVAC guy and not so much a doctor. <laughs> like, I'm not getting doctor vibes here. I just, um, you know, had to wear a coat and put a stethoscope on me to make <laughs> me seem like a doctor, okay? This is how doctors are at Hobart. <laughs> um, uh, all right, let's uh, talk about the earthquake effect. That was pretty cool. It's an old school effect, but I like that you were using, like, real filmmaking techniques. There. I don't know if you knew about that or... or for you, you're like, hey, I got this brilliant idea for my vanity. Book. Honestly, we didn't read anything about that. I thought we just okay. <laughs> 
take away from my perfect idea. Oh, people have been doing that for years. Yeah. Ben. Good job. <laughs> I'm like, this old classic effect that people have been using for decades. Uh, but no, it does look pretty good, especially when it stops. And, like, the windows aren't rattled, <laughs> as you said. <laughs> nothing is really... There's no smoke. Yeah, uh-huh. um, But, no, it, it looked like a cool effect. I noticed a lot of Lost in Space songs. I counted four Lost in Space songs used on this soundtrack here. Uh, so that, this soundtrack. It's a great soundtrack. As I said, Lost in Space is one of my favorite guilty pleasures. The TV show Me and too. the movie and soundtrack as well. So... Um, you pretty much use half of the soundtrack if you think about it, because there's only like a, you know maybe ten songs on there. I didn't use the best one, which was um the the credits. Yeah, I love that song. Yeah, like Busy Child in there, and as you said, like uh, Penny's theme and everything. Um, another planet. That's another really good one. I can't mm-hmm, remember which mm-hmm. that one. Let's just yep. talk about that. It's more fun this <laughs> What's in space? Matt LeBlanc. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Gary Oldman. Uh, I had no idea. Again, one of these things that maybe if there had been an explanation, <laughs> I would be like, this is cool. It's that semi-famous actor from Hobart that everybody here in Canada knows. <laughs> <laughs> I just wrote, what's Encino Man doing in the waiting room? <laughs> Uh, and again, as I pointed out, that all of a sudden, hey, it's Ben's wig. Why does he have real facial hair all of a sudden? <laughs> this is when he puberty. It's in between the last scene and this one. Uh, I don't know. Is there much else to talk about here? I already mentioned the bar soap with the word bomb on it. Because usually, if you're a criminal mastermind and you want to bomb something, you want to make sure to label that it's a bomb so there's no confusion. Well, he didn't want to get it out, and if it was a bar of soap, like, rub himself with it. Like, that's that's. that's Soap on that one. <laughs> Drop, we, your prop master drops it on the way to it's class. Doctor No, remember Doctor No? <laughs> <laughs> Label things every- are labeled. That's why air conditioning is written on the wall of evil machine. <laughs> <laughs> we can't write evil machine. Don't look here, Doctor Jones. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'll, I'm just excited to get to the next scene. <laughs> Let's move on. <laughs> I just want to, just a, a few uh, words of note, uh, I should say, because I feel like I've gelled over slightly with the actors, and I talked a little bit about them in the first one. And I'm, sa- I'm not only saying this because I actually realise, given that I tagged them on Facebook, I know a few of you guys are listening to this, but... Um, oh, sorry. Also- yeah, sorry, <laughs> sorry, sorry. <laughs> uh, just ignore the Canadian on the line. He doesn't get Australian humour. Um, but uh, in all seriousness to Drew, uh, you know, I make fun of her, the fact that she kept laughing and didn't want to kiss us. But, um, you know, I, I have to thank Drew for at least committing to this role because, I mean, it's kind of, you know, a warped sense of humour that we're going to have a girl to make out with. And in all honesty, I did not write the role just to kiss a girl. Uh-huh. I was kissing other girls at that point. Uh, <laughs> Some of who may or not be in this film. But um, I just... <laughs> onset romances. They, I wrote they were my, a thing. I wrote in my notes, is this what Ben thinks is losing virginity? <laughs> <laughs> this whole two-part two film was all about me trying to lose my virginity. <laughs> so I cast so many girls. This is, One of them this eventually is, uh, had to sleep with me. Film school American pie is basically what it is. <laughs> Coming soon, behind Kill Phil, the true story. Which cast members hooked up with who? <laughs> uh, but yeah, in all seriousness, Drew was, you know, great great job that she did. Uh, you know, I think she... I didn't know her that well before we did this, and I think she sort of came to us through a friend of a friend. 
And, um, yeah, so, I mean, I, I thank Drew for everything that she did because I think for what she did and kind of what she had to do uh, and all the bloopers she overcame, she did a pretty decent job and having to do what she did in this film. Um, <laughs> She's basically just supposed to be in love with you for all the terrible things we put you through. <laughs> In all these movies in the future where we talk about the fact that the female characters are nothing more than just a damsel in distress, you just got to simply go, Bad, kill Phil, your female characters had no depth. They're just there to make out with you or to get killed. <laughs> Holding back women since 2004. <laughs> um, and just also like random Lucy and Emma, just to have them. I wanted them to be in the film a lot more. But again, as I said, they just couldn't really do a whole lot more than they did. So that's why they're just barely in it, blink and you miss, and they get killed off screen. And Sean, Sean did fun, uh, did good as well. I think Sean actually does quite a good job in this movie. Which one, um, is Sean? Sorry, red shirt. Red, red shirt. shirt. <laughs> um, He's got a great backhand. <laughs> yeah, and uh, also, uh, you know, I've already talked about Joe. I'll talk more about him and Josh, I think, towards the end. But I just wanted to have a few little uh, notes there uh, for for working with them and everything. But we're going to get to this scene because you want to get to this scene. We all want to get to this scene. Yeah. Um, I look. I don't. I cannot remember for the life of me why we did this. Um, <laughs> I know why. The next, <laughs> because the next scene is essentially the Ben Water with Vanity Project. It's more a Bridget Jones ripoff. All right. <laughs> <laughs> So the next scene is simply me in my office drinking what looks like a bottle of water again. It's vodka, um, lip syncing to all by myself uh, <laughs> for all five minutes of the song. <laughs> and basically, if you didn't get what is meant to happen at the end, I get so distraught that I inject myself with heroin. <laughs> is that what? We had, like, a fake doctor's kit, which we you barely see, like, the stethoscope at any point. And there was, like, a fake needle in it, and I really wanted to use it. So, yeah, this meant to basically be uh, overzealous drug use in this movie, <laughs> where I get so depressed, I have to inject myself with heroin. Um, now, we actually also were planning, because we did film Josh also lip-syncing to All By Myself. Uh, there's a slight bit in one of the blooper reels that you'll see of him in it. But I never... Never, I just didn't use it because it didn't have any purpose in the movie. Neither did this scene. But um, so yeah, and now it's funny that you say like all five minutes of it. Uh, pretty much, uh, my video production teacher said that this film was so bad and decided to use this scene as the exception as to why did you even have that? Why did you have to have yourself in this lip syncing all by yourself? It made no sense to the movie. The movie was doing okay up to that point, and it completely took away from the entire Wait, film. It was doing okay. Okay up until now? <laughs> this is okay? Apparently. Uh, <laughs> this is why people can't graduate in Hobart. <laughs> but um, <laughs> call it the Ben Waterworth Vanity Project if you like. <laughs> I at least had fun acting that scene. <laughs> yeah, you can't show us. <laughs> anyway, say what you want about it, Colin. <laughs> oh my, your feelings are going to be so hurt. <laughs> They already are. <laughs> so, this is another moment that Ben didn't know the camera was rolling. <laughs> <laughs> this also happens to uh, be how Ben spends his Saturday nights when Nick and I aren't available to record. <laughs> <laughs> how did you know? How did you know? <laughs> Um, I actually do think your performance in it is kind of funny. Uh, if it was like maybe a minute, minute and a half, 
I'm with your teacher. Five minutes in, I'm actually just like, just let it be done. I was verbally saying, Jamie's like, what are you talking about? I'm like, the scene, it's never ending. <laughs> what did Jamie think of it? She was just looking at like everything else in the movie. She's like, what am I watching? <laughs> Another actual quote from the DVD cover. <laughs> um, I mean, I was laughing during this, but it was kind of more of like a sad laughter. <laughs> like, I'm so sad he spent this much time wasting his, his education. <laughs> Clearly education's worked out for me so well. I'm podcasting about this film 12 years later. He's podcasting about his own vanity projects. That's a double vanity project you're listening to this week on the Oz Network. And wait till we do the recap of the recap of Kill Bill <laughs> Remember that part of the recap where Colin was laughing about me? Uh, if there was any hope for this to get a rented, it is gone after all by myself. Come on, just, just, I'm watching it right now. The dramatic stabbing of my arm as I rip the sleeve up. The dramatic fall down to the ground as I throw away the needle. I fall on my back. My glasses apparently have disappeared. And I'm just on the floor screaming in agony. I'm so by myself, Colin. I know, that's, Great acting. You see, that's what made it so sad is it was so believable. You know you've been there. <laughs> you mean have? I'm still there. <laughs> This is this is after the lengthy audition process for the role of Matilda. <laughs> Why can't I get a girl to kiss me? <laughs> uh, in all seriousness, it's probably your best acting scene of the movie. Because <laughs> I'm not acting. <laughs> it is funny in an unintentional way, I guess. Probably the hardest I laughed in the movie. (laughs) (laughs) My stomach is so sore. (laughs) I had dental surgery 48 hours ago. My stitches have come out, I think. (laughs) How are you going to explain that to the dentist? How did you do this, Colin? Oh, I just watched a guy singing all by myself. Do you want to see it? Do you want to see how much of a loser he is? Dentist? <laughs> Just wait until he fakes shooting up heroin and you'll get the joke. The funniest bit is the heroin scene. I've got this depressed guy drinking a bottle of vodka and shooting himself with heroin. It's comedy gold. In all honesty, forget about uh, my stitches. The last time I sweat this much, I was running a half marathon. <laughs> <laughs> this is the greatest scene in the history of film. <laughs> I tweeted that out. You saw the tweet. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh. <laughs> people, we know based on the YouTube numbers versus the download numbers, we know a lot of people are not watching the movie. You need to watch the <laughs> Yeah, I think we had. I think Kill Bill once. I had over three hundred downloads. Yet the movie on YouTube had like seventeen views. 
That's like Catherine the Shed Meister. Actually, because I, I can look at the um the watch time. It gives you statistics on YouTube, like how long people watch it for. And, okay, here's an example. Noah, who is coming back soon. Yay, save us, Noah. Um, he said that he listened to the episode, which is, you know, cool. But then he's I, he didn't tell me if he watched the movie or not. Now, he was in Malaysia during the week, and I've looked at the analytics of the, uh, the watch time, and it's got there, someone in Malaysia has watched this movie for nine minutes. <laughs> that was the first one, not the second one yet. So I'm going to be interested to see what the watch size has happened. Noah literally gave up watching Kill Phil 1 after nine minutes. <laughs> That's about five minutes longer than most people. But still. <laughs> oh, we have reached a point here on the Oz Network. We are literally <laughs> covering my so-called vanity project. <laughs> We have spent a good five minutes just cracking up laughing over something that happens to me every night in real life. <laughs> I can't wait till we cover a movie where there's a person, like, getting so distraught over their baby crying every, like, ten seconds they throw it against the wall. <laughs> oh, my Lord. Uh, <laughs> what happens after this? <laughs> it's all a blur. <laughs> Is there anything after this? Isn't that the end of the movie? Nothing that lives up to us. <laughs> That's it. We're done. Bin it. <laughs> <sighs> oh, my God. My stomach is so sore. I don't think I've ever laughed as hard ever on anything we've ever done. Oh, God. <laughs> So, uh, at this point, uh, Sean's uh, up the street. He's by himself. We get a nice little Matrix shot of him putting his glasses on, cracking his knuckles. <laughs> a van in the background drives past one side. We cut to the next scene. It's disappeared. That's uh, great. Content. I pointed out for a while, and Jamie didn't know why I was laughing. He's like, what's funny about it? Look, it's such a dumb mistake. <laughs> Um, he walks up the street, um, he's lost Emma and Lucy, and then we see, um, David Jones, or Joe, he's got blood on his face, and we basically find out that somehow he's killed Andrew and Patricia, and he's eaten them. Now, <laughs> why? I can't remember why I wrote this into the script, because for some reason we've had mild-mannered David Jones, he's been brought along this whole ride because he's just, I don't know, loyal to this guy who broke into his house. <laughs> and secretly, he's a cannibal who murders people and eats them. <laughs> the line from Shawman is like, you unimaginable, sick bastard. Uh, that sums him up. And then he kind of gets really campy the way he's like, bring it on! <laughs> <laughs> What were you goes, on when you wrote this? Oh, the same stuff that I'm on now when we're recording this episode. <laughs> um, breaks his arm, brings him over to Josh, and we get the dramatic scene of Willie Won't He Kill His Brother. Uh, he basically uh, gets talked into it after getting all Marty McFly. Nobody calls me a wuss. <laughs> Picks up a rock, smashes his head. Uh, Joe slash David decides to eat him right in front of Josh, and Josh doesn't care. <laughs> Can I just point out, the motivation of Josh's character really here is he's gone from wanting revenge in the first film to he really is just becoming a bit of a serial killer. Yeah, exactly. Because 
You go back to the very first sequence when he meets Joe's character. I've killed 10 people. Why shouldn't I make it 11? (laughs) He's very proud of his MO at this point. So I think he's just crossed over to becoming a serial killer rather than a revenge artist. He's all of a sudden found his perfect buddy in Joe. It's kind of like Dexter in some way. That He's just like trying to, you know, get his dark passenger along the way and take out the bad guys that he sees there. He's got a code that, you know, he's half you know, ghosted stepdad is telling him about all the time. Um, and I just, I have to say, I can't even remember why we decided to turn Joe into this, like, sick serial killer, but I actually really think it's hilarious. And I, I get, I want to give props to Joe for playing the character of David because he somehow becomes even a better actor when he's this psycho killer eating blood off his face. He's just having fun. Um... I love it. I love the scene when, like, he he grabs the rock and he's like, "Who's the daddy now, motherfucker?" <laughs> he just like crushes his head. You hear this very cheesy <laughs> sound because <laughs> again, our special effects couldn't really, you know, we uh, couldn't get a headless person. I in was the first one. dying for a Tom Savini effect there, and we just didn't get it. <laughs> I think it's kind of effective in some weird way. Uh, <laughs> Anyway, so from here, um, we get another Jaden scene. Yay! Oh. <laughs> we, we needed one of these. Now, in watching this, because it basically is exactly the same scene as the first one, except it's a little bit shorter. Uh, Jaden doesn't care bit. that it is. It's about nine minutes shorter, at least. <laughs> doesn't care that a bomb's gone off, and here I am, high on heroin and alcohol <laughs> in the corner. He still wants surgery. We get another random Rhiannon cameo. Um, I I really wish in watching this I had written it to the fact where I just get so sick of him I pull out a gun and shoot him. (laughs) I think that would have been more effective. Um, But again, maybe we'll do that for the director's cut or something. Um, And uh, anyway, so Anthony comes in. uh, Basically, he's like, oh, sir, what are you doing? You're drinking. Oh, no. He doesn't give a shit that I've become a raging alcoholic and a drug user at this point. Um, And from this point on, uh, what happens? Oh, that's right. Yeah, I'm just watching it now. (laughs) Josh, Joe and Matilda, Drew all show up. They're ready to end it for good. Uh, because, again, they haven't already destroyed my life, so they're thinking, well, why not we should try and kill him at this point? Um, to which I'm dumb and naive enough to um, fall for Matilda shouting at, you know, Phil, please come and, uh, you know, let me into the building, you know, blah, blah, blah. I might end it there because we could do the finale separately because uh, <laughs> I'm sure you're dying to talk about... Um, <laughs> the cliffhanger. <laughs> the cliffhanger and the, the murderous oh, uh, cannibalistic Joe. Oh, you want to... Oh, okay, yeah. cool. You want to end this quickly. Yeah. Uh, so, <laughs> uh, Anthony lets Matilda in. Uh, we get Josh and Joe standing above Anthony. We get a kind of cool special effect of Joe jumping off the ceiling and kicking him down. Almost looks realistic, but it's in slow motion, so you can kind of see the gap between the two. Uh, Josh goes into the building. Meanwhile, Not to mention, Joe... He falls to the ground at least three seconds before the other guy even jumps off the building. <laughs> Joe slash uh, David pins Anthony <laughs> against the thing, and we get a very homoerotic, you have me in a very compromising <laughs> position, Mr. Jones. <laughs> there is a bit of a backstory to that, but I don't know if I want to share it. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's just say that these two were... Yeah, uh, I don't want to go into too much detail in case they listen to it. I don't want to share college secrets, but uh, let's just say off debt romances maybe were a thing here too um but anyway <laughs> colin's just stopped watching right now and hung up uh, 
Uh, so Matilda comes running into the office. She pins me against the thing. She goes to kiss me, and in slow motion, you can see that she's about a meter away from my face, uh, to which she then decides to handcuff me. I'm like, oh, you know I'm not into bondage. She then punches me in the stomach, and then in walks Josh. Now, again, pay close attention to this, folks. I'm handcuffed to a desk, which I could easily just pick up. It's not stuck to the ground or anything. It's one of those solo desks that you have in, you know, kiddie school. It's not like I can't exactly get free of that. Um, Josh walks in and he's all cocky and grabs Matilda. He's got a gun and once again he's about to kill me. Oh, no. Drama. What's going to happen? Um, uh, Anthony is about to happen. And for some reason, instead of shooting Josh straight away, he decides to shoot Matilda. Now, he works for me, yet he knows I'm madly in love with her but decides to kill her. And then instead of being able to shoot Josh dead, then and there shoots him in the leg... <laughs> Why not? He then uh, comes in. You th- actually, the way it's kind of edited, it looks like he's about to shoot me, but he shoots me free of the handcuffs. I grab the gun. It's all like, haha, I'm about to shoot you. But uh, in walks Joe slash David, decides to shoot Anthony dead in the head, points the gun at me. It looks as though, oh, here we go. Joe is about to save Josh. But uh oh, plot twist! Joe slash David is working for me. Ooh, drama. I don't know how that actually works, considering a lot of what happens. I offered him $100 million and the role of my personal bodyguard. (laughs) Because, of course, I would. Uh, Josh has a bit of a teary, cries, I thought you were my friend. Again, you've known each other for like two days, Josh. Uh, (laughs) You robbed his house. (laughs) Don't get too attached to him. Uh, Then out of nowhere, uh, I decide to turn to the camera and say, cry me a river again. Uh, (laughs) Watching this scene, I've got this really weird glare that I look into the camera as I turn my head back. <laughs> I don't know what that was like by staring into the audience's eyes. Like, yeah, I know this is shit. Um, but anyway, out of nowhere, you think Josh is about to die, but uh-oh, there's a gunshot. Joe's dead. Then there's another gunshot. Josh is dead. What's happening here? We see me then facing the camera. Somebody's got a gun at me. I'm like, why did you kill them? No, please don't shoot me, please. Gunshots, fade to black, to be concluded. Uh, and then we get a dramatic uh, post-credits um, Matrix ripoff yeah. <laughs> with no new footage at all. Um, <laughs> I'll spoil it for you in a moment and tell you who that was meant to be who shot everyone. But uh, we also get some bloopers at the end. Uh, and that's Kill Phil too. <laughs> all right. Well, I don't have a lot of notes here because after uh, All By Myself, I got to be honest, I checked out and I was spending more time Googling pictures of Rihanna than I was paying attention to your movie. <laughs> why, why were you Googling pictures of Rihanna? <laughs> uh, same reason that you're Googling pictures of... <laughs> it... Where are you going? <laughs> Paris Hilton? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Clearly, clearly, so this is basically the point of the movie. Uh, obviously, it jumps the shark at missing it all by yourself. Yeah, exactly. So at that point, you're essentially like, oh, fuck it, let's Google pictures of Rihanna. Exactly. Again, on on the DVD box, made me want to Google pictures of Rihanna. <laughs> Actual film review. Better ways to spend your Saturday nights. <laughs> um, I don't know the... Okay, here, this, in all honesty, now let's get serious for a minute. <laughs> yes, yes, let, let's get serious. Uh, the first one, we kind of made fun of the fact that the, the climax was very drawn out, like really long and a lot of slow motion and stuff like that. But at least in a way, it felt like a climax. This You just sort of drop into it. 
like, oh, okay, so everybody's going to team up against Phil, but no, this is going to happen, and no, cry me a river, and then this, this, this. <laughs> it happens so quickly, and I'm not saying I want this movie to be longer. Please, dear God, edit some of this. <laughs> but... I need to give it to you. You need to do your Spider-Man yeah, 3 exactly. edit. Like, oh, if you completely erased Matilda out of this movie, uh, Jaden out of this movie, it's a good film. <laughs> That's right. It's almost rented. <laughs> uh, but... Like, no, there's just, there's no build up to the climax. So to be serious for a second, uh, you made some big mistakes here in the follow up, <laughs> but um, I don't know, positives we could say here, it ended. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> positives, the, the credits. <laughs> you did use, as we said, the, the cool climax music from Matrix Revolutions, which, funny enough, just the other day, I was, uh, I have like a 5K race I'm doing tomorrow, and I wanted to find something new to run to that was a longer song. And I'm like, hey, why don't I use the Matrix Revolution music? So uh, I had just heard that. <laughs> you just see day. you running around Winnipeg to... And you're like running and like going, oh, it's so dramatic. I'm Neo. I'm Agent Smith. now, sadly, all I do is picture myself. I'm Ben Waterworth. I have a bad soul patch. You you end the race and you lose. Oh, by myself. <laughs> Cry me a river. <laughs> Dramatic glare from the camera as you turn your head. <laughs> My uh, uh, only contribution I could have here is you said the $100 million to be his personal bodyguard. He has that kind of money. Why is he working out of a closet with a mini kitchen and an air conditioning <laughs> Because he's a simple man, alright? He's a small business owner with lots of money. It's because he's working out of a closet with a mini kitchen and an air conditioner that he's able to afford $100 million for his head bodyguard. And, and again, we just have to clarify that he's created pretty much the most awesome machine in the world because this can bring people back to life, cure all diseases. He would have that amount of money. And again, he's just getting senselessly murdered by somebody who's turned into a serial killer and his weirdly cannibalistic friend who turns on him anyway. So it's kind of like, okay, that all makes sense. Um, so to spoil it here for you, so basically, Kill Bill 3, we wrote this. Before we get to Kill Bill 3, just a few questions I have to ask about the, um, sure. (laughs) The credits on the end here. Uh, you mentioned. Is this the bloopers or the actual writing of the credits? (laughs) You just mentioned that some of these were supposed to be, um, intentional last time, and I'm just wondering, uh, in the opening crawl, is as well a single word? As I said before, we didn't use spell checker, so uh-huh. uh, move along. Uh, and then in the end, the very end credit credits. I love that Black Bolt Productions becomes Black Bolt Productions. <laughs> <laughs> it was it was a, it was the French word for it. I liked France in two thousand five. <laughs> and whatever followed that was Enterprise. <laughs> Something Enterprises. That was Italian. Uh. Yeah. <laughs> Um, as well as sunglasses by Madonna. <laughs> <laughs> you can see it's not a recent thing, this Madonna love, okay? See, I, <laughs> I, I pulled myself away from Googling pictures of Rihanna long enough just to read the credits of this movie. Because <laughs> I'm more known... You gotta like the bloopers. You like the bloopers with the Kill Bill music at the end? Yeah, there's some decent bloopers in there. Um, nothing to really match the bloopers of part one or the, the, the 
people really should watch the amount of takes it took to get somebody opening a door <laughs> in the first one. That's good enough. <laughs> I will, I will say, like, in all seriousness, like, I know you watch the, the premiere footage, I'll talk about that in a second, but, like, I actually, the bloopers are fun to watch. Mm. Like, there was, we did one, so for the first one we did, yeah, like, one blooper reel, followed by just, yeah, the behind the doors scene, because that was just a, deserved a separate one itself. This one we did two separate blooper reels, as well as the ones that are on the credits. So there are two, they're both on YouTube, they only go for, like, two, three minutes each, the blooper ones, and they're quite funny. Um, and again, it's mainly Anthony bringing all the bloopers. There's some great bloopers from me. Uh, you saw the one here at the end of uh, this one where I literally dropped my phone and it basically broke in half. <laughs> you hear that smashing in the background. That was legitimate. It was, ben, um, it was Ben's mom's phone and she yelled at him for that. Yeah. Too. <laughs> yes. Uh, and in the actual like blooper, blooper reels, um, there's uh, several moments where we decide to like troll. Tim, who I talked up in the first one, was uh, sort of again uh, helping out with the filming. And there's was the scene when we like run around the corner and we like confront uh, Jot and us. When we run around the corner to see the bomb exploded, uh, we just get trolling Tim. So I'd run around the corner, just run straight at Tim and like take him out at the camera. We were funny because we were 18 year olds. <laughs> um, and there's a couple of bloopers of me as the priest stuffing up my lines. Ha, <laughs> it's hilarious. Um, anyway, watch the bloopers that are on YouTube. Uh, so, the two be concluded. Uh, so, there was a Kill Feel 3. We've written the script. I've got the script. We can read it as a radio play one day if you really, really want to. Um, <laughs> basically, the person who shoots uh, Josh, Joe, and myself, that is. Here's the big reveal. I know you want to know. Who do you think it is, first of all, Colin? <laughs> uh, the, the original guy who changed his face because he didn't want to be in your movie? Because <laughs> you got him back. No. No. <laughs> you don't care at all. Uh, it is <laughs> Dr. Jones, Joel's character. Not Dr. Jones. <laughs> Not Dr. Jones! Um, basically, I, I haven't actually read the script for the third one. I found it the other day. I've just skimmed through it. Um, basically, the third one was called Kill Feel 3 Armageddon, and it was basically about Joel was some evil guy and he wanted to blow up the world. So, <laughs> apparently, that's what it all led to. Um, and from memory, I think Josh didn't want to do the third one. <laughs> he had enough. He wanted to slit his wrists again if he ever had to play the dealer. <laughs> <laughs> Idris Elba was attached to reprise the role But um, I think we pretty much wrote his character out So it basically just became about me <laughs> Trying to stop the end of the world um, And I think we I, I wrote in two more female characters Who were my two very good friends at the time Because again they were like Oh Well I basically implied that they were lesbians And they would have to make out <laughs> <laughs> in this movie, I literally had a scene where they kiss. Um, get anything to get to by two of my good friends making out. <laughs> it was again all about me trying to lose my virginity, pretty much. <laughs> you nailed it on the head. Um, so, but we just, I, I think it just basically got to the end of the school year. And um, we just didn't get around to doing it, and then we all went on to uni and let our separate moved on basically, except for me again because I'm podcasting about this twelve years later. <laughs> <laughs> I tag people on Facebook; they've all got kids and moved on. I'm like Ben, why do you have to drag this up? It was a you know twelve years ago. Get over it. Um, but I was looking forward to doing the third one, not just for the lesbian makeout scenes, but I actually had planned to like get use really cool scenes that I would steal from other movies of the world blowing up. Because I think spoiler alert, it didn't end happily. The world blew up and we all died. So. <laughs> That's Killfield 3 Armageddon coming soon. Uh, never. Well, so, was there a singing montage or multiple singing montages? 
Uh, I actually think there was not. Oh. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> you learned from your mistake. <laughs> I, uh, I mean, I, again, I, I, w- I really do want to actually sit down and read through this because I, when I found this the other week, I legitimately did not think that um, I, I had it still. So I just, I'm not going to go through this because we're going on too long here. So I've got here, plot. The unknown assailant in Phil's office has been revealed as Dr. Jones and with it comes some truths that were never known and those truths are to lead to the destruction of planet Earth and life as we know it. <laughs> it's up to Phil... Liam and David to prevent this, but with time running out, will they decide to save the world or live out the rest of their lives doing what they have always wanted to do? Da, da, da. And all uh, of this so, started over a game of Pog. Exactly. The characters were myself. The dealer's in it somewhere, but I think he's not in it for long. David's back. Liam's back. Dr. Jones is back. Jaden Spears is back. And the two new female characters of... Felicia and Alicia. Uh, <laughs> um, I just, I, I, I want to get to the premiere. We're, we're going to end this because Colin's dying to end this. But I just, the, the way this begins is I've literally written here, Kill Phil 3. Black fades the first two movies being shown in a very fast speed and it slows down when it reaches the end of the second movie. Uh, 24 hours later. Black fades to Phil's face. He's unconscious and lying on the ground. He slowly wakes up, gets himself together and stands up, surveying the surroundings, realising he's in a park. He looks around one more time, goes to walk off before he's hit with a sharp amount of pain from his head and falls to the ground, grasping his head. He gets himself together and looks at the camera. You, you shot me and David and censored. that We beeped out, obviously, the dealer's name, a la Kill Bill. Uh, he, we always just said the name Gertrude, by the way. Gertrude? Um, you utter, Gertrude, yeah. Uh, you utter bastard. Cut to the feet of a man which slowly pans up to reveal Dr. Jones is selling Phil's office. He stands there smiling. Thank you. I take that as a compliment. Where the hell am I? And what do you want from me? And yeah, anyway, the rest of the movie happens from there. So... <laughs> <laughs> exact reaction I was expecting. Um, so before we rate it, again, the video is online. As I said, we've got blooper reels, we've got trailers. Uh, I had fun. I always have fun making the trailers. And the, the premiere, we had like another red carpet premiere for this, um, similar to the first one. But the second one, we went out a little bit more. We had this one at night. Uh, we like had proper like invites that people came along, people dressed up. Chris, the crazy guy, hosted it, and he's a really good MC. The footage is all there. It was a lot of fun. It was, it was a fantastic night. It was just so much fun. And, um, yeah, it was, it was a really, really good night. It makes me smile even thinking about it. it. makes me not want to sing all by myself. Um, and you should also point out, as you mentioned to me, and I noticed uh, some people in the crowd aren't too kind to all the people <laughs> in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of cheering for some of the characters. Poor Josh got booed. And, um, yeah, Josh wasn't too happy. I, I felt really bad for that because, um, you know, I mean, it was kind of dueling friendship circles, college life, all that sort of fun stuff. But, um yeah, I felt really bad for Josh that he got booed, but uh, the film got a good reception from the audience, at least, except for my, uh, you know, uh, video production teacher. And <laughs> let's just say this on the record. Greg Baron, go get fucked. You were like the most boring teacher in the world. You would literally walk into this classroom. He would read out the roll call, and then he would see somebody, like, come in late. And he'd be like, and this is literally, he's like, where were you? Were you smoking? And this guy would be like, oh, no, I'm not smoking, but he could, like, smell that cigarette. And, he'd, and then Greg would literally sit down and go... I'll tell you a story. So, a friend of mine, he died from emphysema. 
It was very, very sad. He would sit there for like 30 minutes explaining graphic detail about how his friend died of emphysema. Meanwhile, we're not being able to edit or film any of our movies because we're learning about the tragic death of Greg Brown's friend. And it's like, fuck you, we want to edit our movies. So, Greg Brown, you're a dickhead. You're never going to listen to this. It's fine. Probably you dead lost somebody very dear to him. <laughs> I lost something very dear to me, and that was class time to edit Kill Phil 2 properly. And I couldn't because I was oh. listening to his friend talk about dying of emphysema. Okay. So, somebody dies of emphysema, and that's the reason your movie gets binned? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Could have been better if I had better time to edit it. It was rushed. <laughs> you're like, I like this one better than the first. <laughs> I do. It would have been better if it wasn't for emphysema death. <laughs> Greg Brown. Um, one of the funniest moments I ever remember, I was flying back from Melbourne to Hobart, and uh, this was like years after I'd left college, and there was like, I don't know, two guys. I could overhear their conversation because I'm lonely, so I just listen to other people's oh, conversations. My, my. <laughs> and, um, they were talking that they went to Elizabeth College, and they were talking about their teachers, and I overheard one of them say, oh, yeah, I've got Greg Brown for video production. The other one said, yeah, he's like the most boring teacher in the world. <laughs> And I'm like, yes, I'm in Melbourne, and even people are saying that. Um, the reviews quickly. Roger Ebert said, much better than the first. Uh, surprised me. Peter Travers, well, we know he's a douche. Uh, and Stuart Diewell, the Mercury reviewer at the time, gave it two thumbs up, and we know he was the worst reviewer in the world. In joke there for our Hobart listeners. Box office-wise, outperformed the first one quite significantly. Uh, made at least a dollar, so it uh, was quite good. Um, and obviously, the sequel, as we've already talked about, there's lots, often talks about a reboot. Uh, possibly Christopher Nolan might be attached to it. Not too sure. Uh, have to watch this space. We'll see how it goes. Let's get to our ratings Bad. on this one. <laughs> Colin's like, we didn't have to go through this film for two hours. I could have just come in and gone, my name is Colin and been it. The end. <laughs> you don't want to add anything more to that? Um, have I not said enough? <laughs> Uh, Nothing redeeming about this. No, I mean, there's some funny parts. Again, kind of like the first one, there's this amusing bad student film quality about it. And I'm not, you know, uh, uh, on, on a high horse here or anything. As I've kind of made fun of my own uh, teenage films that I made. But uh, we're not talking about mine today. We're talking about yours. Um, I gave the first one kind of a mild rent it just because it, there was something morbidly bad about it in <laughs> An amusing way. This one, there's just so many things I just didn't understand. The plot makes even less sense than the first. Um, your performance is bizarre, but still, I I, <laughs> I can tell you were the most into this <laughs> vanity project and all. Uh, a few decent scenes overall. Biggest disappointment for me, if I'm being a serious reviewer here, lack of fight scenes compared to the first one, <laughs> and no sword. Where was the swords? Yeah, I think I think we took the because if you actually look at the poster, uh, yeah. <laughs> the first one he's got a sword, the second one he's got a gun. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, we thought we'd be more gun violence in this one. Than sword well, there's violence. a lot of gun violence in the one scene where you're in a closed space of about 25 square feet and nobody can hit each other. <laughs> we are seriously the stormtroopers. <laughs> <of, laughs> um, well, given that you've labelled this a Ben Waterworth vanity project, there's only one thing for me to do, and that is buy it. Uh, <laughs> I, in all seriousness, I actually <laughs> enjoyed this one. Uh, making it was a lot of fun. It was harder, but we planned a lot more. And I actually was quite proud of the project until now. Uh, <laughs> 
when again, the one person who didn't go to Elizabeth College and not related to me has watched the film and they just rip it to shreds <laughs> all by myself. <laughs> Uh, but no, I'm, I'm going to buy it just to shove it up your ass and also given that it is the uh, Ben Waterloo Vanity Project, so it only makes sense that I would buy my own Vanity Project. Uh, so I'm going to look back at this in like a year and look at all the movies that we've reviewed, not remember we did this episode and go on, oh, Killfield 2, buy it, how typical. Remember I binned the first one. Yeah. Um, all right, well, that concludes Killfield series. Thank God all the listeners say. Uh, but considering we got so many downloads for the first one. Um, I'm intrigued to see how this one will do. Please watch the film. <laughs> Just go and watch it. Seriously, comment you, and see you need to watch this to understand why I'm so cruel. <laughs> Catherine, Catherine, I know you're listening. The Shedmeister on iTunes, who I assumed was Catherine, who I've been told is not Catherine, <laughs> because they've discovered that my, I'm doing a gaming channel and they've come along and watched and commented on my gaming videos. I've called them out as Catherine on air and then said, I'm not Catherine. So whoever you are, the Shedmeister, I don't know who you are. Chris Thank you for being... <laughs> probably, probably it's not um it's not uh zachary chong um because zachary chong would say it's him anyway thank you for your for tuning in now on the oz network back to obviously more serious films we're into anniversary month which means what are we doing next colin you're gonna get even more uh, excited for our next film well i'm glad we did this now because it can only go downhill from here we're talking titanic yay um, I can't wait. Uh, yeah, our anniversary month begins with Titanic. 20 years since the ship sunk on our screens, but about 105 since the real one sunk in real life. Um, we will be covering it. So you thought this went for long. We've literally got to start watching Titanic as soon as we stop record here to make it in time for next week. Yeah. Uh, cause it's a long film, but every minute of it is beautiful. Even the first 20 minutes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> So stay tuned for that. And we're also obviously doing uh, Face Off, White Men Can't Jump, and Dirty Dancing. It's a fun September coming up on the Oz Network. And Noah's going to be back. So Noah might end up joining us for some of these. Who knows? I'm looking forward to seeing what Noah thinks of Dirty Dancing. (laughs) (laughs) We also have uh, coming up, of course, uh, DC month, Star Wars month, and then Christmas month. So we've got a lot to come. And also TV show-wise, obviously Australian Survivor still going strong. Uh, we've got Nip Tuck, we've got Third Watch, and Colin, The Amazing Race is up on time this week, I see. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we were able to both watch the episode within a few days, so that's about <laughs> as on time as we get. And one thing I will say, uh, Colin's obviously talked about his film, and sort of Noah has uh, pulled out from the archives uh, an interesting little film that he did. <laughs> so something we might do in the future, because they're all very short, these films, is that we might end up doing in the future another filler week where we just uh, rip shit into each other's five-minute films, and both Colin and Noah are like, here you go, Ben, you don't need to make a two-hour film of your scene. You can just do it in five minutes and throw G.I. Joe's off banister. Um <laughs> But, I mean, look, I've done a few little five-minute films. No, don't make me watch them, people say. But uh, we, we'll lump it all in. It's just rip shit into our own filmmaking abilities when we can't even do it properly. But uh, stay tuned to the Oz Network because we'll get back to some real stuff. Like, subscribe, comment, rate us on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, all the general stuff that you know what to do. And uh, perhaps if you're uh, smart enough, you might also send us your own montage of yourself singing all by myself and to see if you can outperform my heroin-injecting skills. Um... My name is Ben. Don't want to live all by myself anymore. And my name is Colin, and this episode has been brought to you by Black Bolt Productions. (laughs) 
Thank you for listening to the Oz Network. Don't forget to subscribe to get new episodes delivered to your speakers every week. For more information, hit us up at theoznetwork.net.